This episode of the Pellicle podcast is sponsored by Hand and Heart. Hand and Heart is a business and workplace consultancy. We educate people, we solve problems, we guide growth, and we nurture teams. We believe the workplace will transform over the next five years. We have experience with businesses of every shape, size, and industry. We've worked with over 80 businesses in the last five years, and we've educated over 250 owners and employees using our business ecosystem model. By keeping things digital, we keep it affordable, and we are available worldwide on your time. We're giving Pellicle listeners a free 30-minute advice session. You could be a business owner wondering what the hell DE&I means, or you're at a loss of how to even start your business or develop systems to improve your business. We can help you. To sign up, head to www.handandheart.eu forward slash pellicle and register. That's www.handandheart.eu forward slash pellicle to book your free session. Thank you for listening. Now enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast with me, your host, as ever, Matthew Curtis. Now, look, I know it's been a really, really long time since the last episode, way too long, but I've had a very busy summer, I had to move house and just finding the time to sit down, edit some audio and record this voiceover has been a bit much. But you know what? Here I am, I'm back and hopefully, fingers crossed, This is the start of a far more regular appearance of the Pellicle podcast in your podcast feeds. To the people who have been listening for a long time, welcome back and I hope you enjoy this episode. If this pause means you're a new listener and you've not listened to the Pellicle podcast yet, then welcome. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode and I'd really like to encourage you to head back and listen to some of our previous episodes. There's lots of early episodes of me kind of figuring out the show format and then I think things really hit their stride about 20 or so episodes ago. Anyway, I'm glad you're all here for a brand new episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking to one of the owners of a brand new brewery in Kendall called Ganyam, which in the Cumbrian dialect means to go home. He's called William Burgess and he'll be on the show later. And I think the fact that I'm speaking to such a young brewery that you might not have heard of is a good way to bring in another topic around the interview, which I've called confidence and paranoia. Now, listeners around my age will know that confidence and paranoia is the name of an early episode of the sitcom Red Dwarf, which I'm a huge fan of. And in that episode... The main character, Dave Lister, catches a space virus, which makes his hallucinations become real. And weird things start happening around the ship Red Dwarf, such as fish raining from the sky and all sorts of other weird stuff. And the episode reaches its peak when Dave Lister hallucinates two characters from his psyche, his confidence and his paranoia. Now, his paranoia is this hasty, snivelling English bloke that just tells him that everything he does is useless and he shouldn't exist, essentially. Whereas his confidence is this tanned, loudly dressed American game show host of a character. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the episode, confidence eventually murders paranoia because he doesn't like the way he talks to Dave before 
at the end of the episode, he and Dave go on a spacewalk and Confidence tries to convince Dave to take his helmet off because he's too cool. He's too amazing to need oxygen. Dave refuses. So Confidence says, well, let me show you. You don't need oxygen to breathe. He takes his helmet off and explodes. So it's a bit of a philosophical journey, really, and a fantastic piece of comedy. I'm going to kind of capture that by talking about it in a beer sense. Before the interview, I'm going to talk about my paranoia about the beer industry because I'm a bit worried about what's happening. Since I've been away, the cost of living crisis has really reared its head and many breweries and bars are really struggling. So before the interview, I'm going to talk about my paranoia about the beer industry. Then we'll cut to Will and you can enjoy that conversation. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about my confidence. Or perhaps optimism is the right word. It's a word I seem to be using a lot at the moment. I feel like balance is the best way to approach this. I want to do an episode where I do talk about the struggles the industry is constantly going through. But I also want to talk about this feeling I have inside me where I still feel positive about beer despite it all. And just explore that with you. Anyway. Regular listeners of the show will know that before we head into the main content of the episode, I like to check in. Cue ambient guitar music. Now, when I say check in, I mean just think about the beers we've been enjoying lately and the wonderful pubs we've been enjoying them in. And I just want to go back a couple of days when I went to Macclesfield with my friend Kate and we just enjoyed some of the best beer and pubs that the city has to offer. It's somewhere I try to go at least once or twice a year because genuinely I just love going to Macclesfield and it's brilliant pubs and enjoying some beer. There's some regular highlights like Red Willow Brewery and their bar in the centre of town is always something I do. I love going to Rosie and Greg's Beer Vault at the top of the hill. A new pub that I really enjoyed on my last few visits is The Castle, again very near the town centre. It's hard to judge from the outside, it's just this old pub. But once you're in, it's kind of really special. It's got a great little food menu, a small but perfectly formed list of delicious beers. So yeah, I really enjoyed the castle. But my highlight, and this was a few beers in towards the end of the evening, it was dark and cold outside. We walked up a hill just outside of the town centre to this lovely pub called The Wharf. And inside, it was warm and it was packed with people sitting and laughing and chatting, people dancing to the live band that was playing. An amazing pint of Abbeydale Pale Ale on cask for me to enjoy, followed by a perfectly kept pint of Timothy Taylor's Landlord. And you could sit anyone in that pub in that moment and think, actually, everything's all right in the world. And I guess that's the magic of pubs, to escape the chaos and the doom of the news cycle. And that's what we did, for a day at least. Anyway, as much as I feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about it after that, now I'm going to talk to you about my paranoia. I feel worried. I feel trepidation towards the beer industry at the moment. I've seen over 40 breweries close their doors this year, which isn't that unusual. The number of breweries is always fluctuating. 40 shouldn't be cause for too much concern. But I do worry that 
this is the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, with increasing costs, not just fuel bills, and fuel bills are horrendous, but that rise that we've seen there, this is being applied to every aspect of running any business, from buying in the beer, if you're a brewery, buying in the ingredients, the cost of getting labels printed, of your courier, of getting chemicals in from your chemical supplier, buying in your pitches of yeast, getting new hose pipes, (laughs) simple things like that. I laugh, but it's not funny. Everything is increasing in price dramatically, and I feel paranoid about where that will lead us. And I feel it's important to sit with that feeling for a moment and think, what would we do if we didn't have these breweries and pubs to go to? Because I'm a big believer, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, of the third space. If we consider home to be the first space and work the second space, if you just go between one and the other, that's a monotonous cycle and it makes you feel miserable and burnt out over time. I like to call pubs the third space because you break that cycle, that routine, and you go somewhere that is outside of home life. And home life can be nice and relaxing, but it can also be tidying and admin and all that bollocks, really. And work, you know, you can really enjoy your job, but you can have bad days, even if you do have a job you like. And if you don't have a job you like, then you're just stuck in this cycle. So going somewhere like a pub or a bar or a tap room where you break out of that, that gives you this sense of well-being. And I worry because without great beer and great pubs, how will these spaces perform that role in our lives, especially as many of us are also counting the pennies because things are tough at the moment. And this is the reason why we might lose them. People can't afford to spend there and the pubs and the breweries themselves can't afford the basics just to keep things ticking over. And all of that's before you've even talked about paying the staff and giving them a pay rise so they can struggle through themselves. That's always the last thing we get to, isn't it? Yet it seems like, to me at least, one of the most important. I think anecdotally, one of the things that made me go, wow, things are really bad, is someone put on Twitter the other day, that blue roll, a very basic paper towel that you use to wipe up spills in pubs, had increased in price by 137%. If a little thing like that can go up that much, then how much does something that's really expensive going up by that much affect that business? Let's be real for a moment. We are going to lose more breweries. We are going to lose more pubs. And each one should hurt unfortunately, we'll probably get a little bit desensitized to it because that's kind of the only way you can deal with it. But things are going to get worse before they get better. That's my paranoia talking. And that's why I wanted to say that before I did my confidence, before I let that voice speak later in the show, because balance is important. I think that's the heaviest bunch of sentences I've uh, put in order on this show. I feel heavy after it. I think that's enough paranoia. I'm going to put it to one side. And we're going to go to Kendall now on the edge of the Lake District where Ganyan Brewery launched in the middle of a pandemic. 
Now, this interview was recorded a few months ago, so there's a few topics like the cost of living crisis that William and I don't get into, but there's plenty to chew on. I was up there in February to promote my book, Modern British Beer, and I did a wonderful event on a Sunday in their tap room to a fantastic crowd. It's one of the best events I did on the entire mini book tour I did to promote the book, and I had a wonderful time, especially the night before where... Will showed me around the sites of Kendall, which is to say he took me to some amazing pubs such as Indiecraft and Fell Brewery, the Ring of Bells, a pub on consecrated ground, and perhaps my favourite pub of the lot was the New Union. Kendall is a beer town. It's in the north, of course it is, but it's one of those places that you really should visit for a few beers. And Ganyam aren't the only great brewery there. There's also Lakes Bruco, which came out of the ashes of serious changes at Hawkshead, another Lake District brewery. There's plenty doing there, which I discovered on my visit. Now, Ganyam is an interesting brewery because when I spoke to Will and we talked about our beer journeys, they were actually very similar. He spent a lot of time in London as well. And he got his start working in a bar in Shoreditch, which is no longer there in its form, called Mason and & Taylor. And its owner, Ed Mason, actually sold that bar to a company called Brewdog, who knows where they are now, and they turned it into a big Shoreditch bar. But Ed Mason, he used the money from that sale to found the Five Points Brewing Company. So it's really interesting that Will's journey started so early in the London craft brewing scene days. Anyway, he and a bunch of friends from school got together and decided that they wanted to form a brewery, which is where the name Ganyam comes from, because from the Cumbrian dialect, it means go home. And this runs through their branding, this sense of identity of Cumbria. They even do a Kendall Mint Cake Stout, which I absolutely loved. Their pails were fantastic, but the Mint Cake Stout, it just, it was a bit of them really. It was something very Kendall. It's a beer I look forward to drinking, hopefully one day again in the future. Anyway, I think my paranoia has got the better of me and I'm going to take five and cut to this interview. This is William Burgess of Ganyan Brewery in Kendall. Welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm sat in a, a little side room at Ganyan Brewery here in Kendall with Will Burgess, one of its seven co-owners, is that yeah, right? Yeah, there's a fair few of us. How are you, Will? I'm okay, thank you. We just had an event last night, so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit ropey, but not too bad. Brilliant. So what, what was happening here last night? A bit of, it was, it bit was of just, beer? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it just one of our monthly tap events, really, and, you know, which we've started doing pretty much as soon as we were up and running, really. And, yeah, just open the doors, have a bunch of keg and cask on and some good music and some pies last night. There's always a bit of a food offering. And people listening will probably be able to hear that the, the tap room is open, the music is on, so I hope you don't mind a bit of background noise. I quite like it, actually. Yeah, um, and context. We've, and we've got a beer in front of us now. Why don't uh, you tell us a bit about what we're drinking? Yeah, so this is our... It's called Boss... We, we do this three-letter thing at the moment, which is becoming a bit of a, a, bit of a rod in our back. But um, <clears throat> this, this is basically our, our New England pale ale, 5.5%, mm-hmm. juicy, soft. And this is on cask, this one. 
Fantastic. Well, I'm really enjoying it. It tastes literally like chewing an, like a mouthful of opal fruits yeah. or Starburst, as they're known now. I like that. So, Will, something I'm asking, before we get into Ganyam and your story and talk a bit yeah. about beer and your background, something I'm asking my guests, because we've been through this really traumatic two years how are you now how have the the last two years been for you and how are you feeling now in in february 2022 yeah well it's been a bit it's been a bit wild for us like in in a sense actually if it wasn't for the pandemic we actually wouldn't exist here right now because you know we we came from home brewing always knowing that we were going to set up a brewery at some point and then it when the pandemic hit a couple of the lads kind of got not too well by the jobs they were in at the time and it it and we're basically like this could be a moment for us to, to actually do this so it was beginning of beginning of 21 we found this unit and we were kind of hoping you know we've had almost a year of covid it's looking like things admittedly we we're in the middle of lockdown there but it felt like the next year might be good and it, you know it's gonna take us a little while to set up so it didn't quite open up as much as we hoped last year, so it wasn't quite the kind of running start that we hoped we'd get, but, you know, it, it, yeah. Why Kendall? We're all from Kendall. And tell me about the name. I think that's really important. Well, that's intrinsic to it. We, basically, we always knew when we were setting the brewery up, like, the first thing we said was, we're going to learn to brew in London, which is where we all, all were at the time. But we always said from the very beginning we want to take this back to Kendall and this, we're going back like six or seven years when we first came up with the idea and we're like, we want to take this back to Kendall because Kendall doesn't have that much. Now, in, in the set, kind of like six or seven years in between times, Kendall has actually improved in innumerable ways in the kind of like beer and pub scene. So now we're kind of like here, it doesn't, you know, we're certainly not seeing ourselves as the saviours of Kendall. It's, it's already really, really great. Um, but we're just now offering something a bit different and, and just part of it, you know. I mean, yeah, Kendall, I'm, I'm... This is the first time I've been to Kendall as an adult. I've been here, like, as a kid mm-hmm. on school field trips and stuff like, stuff like that. And, you know, eating Kendall mint cake, which my mum... I, she rang me this morning and I said, I'm going to Kendall. She says, oh... That's where yeah. the mint cake's from. The mint cake is, is, is um, but so this is a touristy. I mean, it's a horrible day today, but this is a, a touristy this is a nice town. Day for <laughs> in, in February, perhaps we, we are in the Lake District, so it, it does rain every time I've been here. It's pissed with, piss with rain. Yeah. So, um, but no, you, you're right. This, there's a fantastic scene developing here. You've got pubs like the New Union, bars like Indie Craft, and you've got um, Lakes Bruco who yeah. who have. Um, well, you know, they're very well known from their Hawkshead yeah. days. So so where does Ganyam fit into that scene? Well, I think it's important to what's happening in beer, hopefully, because we're trying to kind of include the community in what we do as well. Through doing these tap events, we've got like things in the pipeline for the summer to kind of like get people involved. And, you know, just to share, I suppose, things that we've discovered elsewhere and bring them back to Kendall and... What, like, what kind of things have you got planned? Well, we've got some summer parties planning, like, we want to really get involved, because we've got a bit of a musical tie-in with the brewery. We want to kind of get some, like, events planned, basically, that involve music and beer and a grander scale to what we're kind of doing on our weekend tap events, basically. 
Why don't we dig into that a bit? Because your background is not in beer, it is in the music industry, mm-hmm. and uh, you have, have a label, Practice. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about that? Well, that's, that's so we've got like an independent label that we set up. I set up with my wife about five years ago and we released some really cool records in the past, like bands like Squid, Deep Tan, um, and yeah, just release music that we love basically. Kind of in a, in a way, it's sort of like a similar thing to Ganyam in the sense of like there isn't necessarily like an overarching single sound that we go for, but we do everything ourselves as well as we can and try and make it a broad church really I mean you mentioned Squid there they're having I mean the amount of album of the year lists yeah I've I've seen that album in very bright green field if you haven't listened to it it's an amazing record for those listening as well we didn't release that album which is an early single that would be nice but um, my wife still manages them and you know they're and and we, we obviously not obviously but we did a when we launched the brewery last year it just happened to coincide exactly with Bright Greenfield's release so we brewed a beer with them um, at our first New England IPA and called it Bright Greenfield and it was like a limited run on cans and yeah it was a really great thing to kind of like tie that in and it it kind of showed us because you know I think the seven of us in the brewery our two favourite things are beer and music and one big thing we want Ganyam to be is beer and music it's just like it's that simple really and I mean, friendship I mean just listen to the background I mean it's the buzz of chatter and some great tunes you know it, yeah. it, you know. You... well I'm DJing later so the tunes might get a bit worse but <laughs> <laughs> but that when you when you mentioned you know a lot of people throw the word community around don't mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. and I use it a lot in my writing and I believe that the community is a hugely important thing in beer but like music and beer that is a, isn't that just a brilliant way of reaching out to the community what, what has your musical background taught you and what have you brought from that into beer it's a good question um, I think I think it's taught me that you can be surprised about what excites people and also you can actually be quite adventurous with things I think especially like coming back to a small town sometimes the kind of like you might think to yourself oh you know we're not in London now so I'll have to rein things in a little bit but actually you know people are the same wherever you are you can brew some mad stuff put on a crazy band and you know you might ruffle a few feathers but you might also please a lot of people as well and I think doing something different is always good yeah I I 100% agree with that why don't you tell me a bit about your beer background because we were chatting about it earlier but you used to work in uh, a great bar uh, that kind of set the blueprint for beer in London um, Mason and Taylor How, how did you end up working there I ended up working there I was friends of friends with the owner basically and strong armed when I moved to London about 12 years ago strong armed my way in having had no beer experience before suddenly realising I needed to pay London rent and was like shit (laughs) I need need a part time job quickly Um, so I just called up whoever I knew and managed to get a gig there and I I didn't even know what I'd never heard craft beer before really I maybe subconsciously knew it kind of was happening, but um, you know, I was I was used to just drinking Cascale up here, and as delicious as it was, um, it wasn't quite the same as what I was suddenly serving. And yeah, got through the first shift, and it was a bit of a nightmare. Probably wasted a lot of beer, but I also discovered Kernel IPA, and that was like the Kernel IPA single hop citra was just like an absolute gateway explosion beer. It was like 
holy fuck, beer can taste this good. And since then, really, it's just, you know, I've worked at Mason Taylor for a couple of years and then I moved over to the Old Fountain. We actually set up a brewery at the Old Fountain, which is where I first kind of like dabbled with a bit of brewing. We set up like a little brewery downstairs on, on a tiny 50 litre kit and got it licensed and started making basically just casks that we'd pull through there. And we had, you know, the first like 10 were absolutely god awful. But, um, you know, we started to learn that if you do a bit of this with the water, you start to get these hot flavours out and just like kind of like learnt that way. And that was kind of a similar time to when a few other mates from Kendall, basically the other guys in Ganyam, were all down in London and a couple of other of them had started homebrewing as well. So we found ourselves at the 30th birthday party six and a bit years ago and we were suddenly all just chatting about it and just really pissed. I think I or one of us was like, should we start a brewery then? And, and literally, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And like the next day, with massive hangovers, someone was just like, do you remember we were going to start a brew last night? And then it was literally a case of who's to look for it. And I think like the night before, probably like 10 or 11 people had been up for it. And by the time it got to the next day, only seven of us raised our hands. And we were like, all right, let's do this then. And when we got back to London, we, you know, went, found a, a, a boozer that was like kind of equidistant to us all got our notebooks out and started planning, you know. When was this? So this is this is six and a bit years ago. Cause so, I, we were all 30 at the time, now we're 36, so yeah, it must be six years ago. But Mason and Taylor, when was, that must have been like 2010, 2011. Yeah, that was, God. Because that was like, so I had my yeah. first ever bottle of Colonel there. Um, and I, yeah. I assume when you say the, the, the friend of a friend, the boss, that must have been... Ed Mason, Mason yeah. who yeah. is the owner, co-owner Five of Five, yeah. Five Points Brewery, Wylock's Ale House in Leeds. Yeah. Um, another person who's who's recently left London and, and moved yeah. moved north yeah, yeah, back yeah. to Leeds. Yeah. Um, and Five Points, are, they're doing pr- pretty well for themselves yeah. these days, aren't they? That you know, that Mason and Taylor. I'm really glad that came up in conversation because, I, yeah, like I say, I had my first kernel there, but the beers. A couple of beers I had there that just blew my mind about what was ha- the potential of like yeah. beer in London were Brodie's, um, Dalston Black IPA and Hackney Red I IPA. I love the Dalston Black, that was amazing, and yeah. For those who are listening, Brodie's was a brewery based in a pub uh, called the King William in East London, which was just a mad pub, no longer in existence. Is it not? Right, I was wondering actually, because I used to live in Leighton with Nick from the brewery actually, and we used to pop down, you know, you drink Brodie's for something like £2.20 a pint or something daft like that. Yeah, so that's such a shame. Yeah. Brody's still actually brewing. So James Brody, he moved to Wales. He was brewing for a bit. He's not anymore. They sold the King William. Uh, it's still a pub, but it's like a. It's been done up. It's not a particularly interesting pub now. No, but they still awesome. they still own the they still own two pubs in the chocolate house in, in the old coffee house. Old coffee house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that place in Soho, which is still as weird it as is, ever. Yeah, yeah. And they also own the Cross Keys. Uh, yes, yeah. On Shaft, course, just yeah. off Shaftesbury Avenue. Their beer was. I find it fascinating because it was, it was quite hit and miss. To be quite honest with you, they they were probably of all the brews I knew they'd have like when they were good, they were the best beers. I'd ever had, but when they were bad, they were. This is a good segue. I was. We talked about me wanting to talk to you about what it's like opening a brewery now. Mikella has obviously been talked about um, for alleged toxic workplace culture, and you're a small brewery. There's just the seven of you. You're a way different part of your journey mm-hmm. than this. But you know, we've seen Brewdog on national television. So you're entering craft beer at a time when it's been scrutinised for staff treatment how 
how is your approach coming into that in a town like Kendall that loves its beer? Is this something you've thought about? Like, and you've talked about community a lot, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people tell me that's important, and I believe that's important. So, how will your approach with Ganyam ensure that you're creating an environment that's safe for the people that work here and the customers that come and drink and enjoy your beer? That's a good question, big question. Um, at the moment, not employing anyone, you know, it's just it's just literally the owners like clubbing together to do it. So we haven't had that on the kind of staffing side, but we, you know, as soon as we get into that, we're fully aware that it's something we need to consider heavily and like make sure that it's an inclusive and friendly place to work because that's exactly what we stand for with our friendship. You know, it's a non-hierarchical space for us really where anyone can come and you don't have to know about beer you don't have to know about music or anything just come and relax and have a good time and you know I think with our tap events and stuff we try to make it inclusive in the sense of like not not challenging to anyone anyone's more than welcome along any age any gender whatever just a friendly tap event we hope I think it's interesting tap rooms seem to be like they do feel like great equalisers it's they don't have the stigma of like old pubs mm. um, not that there aren't many great welcoming old pubs as well but it, it does genuinely feel really open and welcoming despite being literally one of the worst most horrible rainy days outside I'm describing yeah, it for it's, the people listening you know Ken- Kendall <laughs> is called the old grey town and you're mm. seeing it in all its splendour right now yeah <laughs> literally what has coming from the music industry uh, taught you in, in that regard what what lessons are you taking from your time in music and thinking like here's something that would work really well in beer yeah. in, in, in regards to what you were talking about before I think what it's taught us is that this stuff does go on as much as it probably doesn't really shock us I suppose what appalls us this kind of stuff does go on and that just being aware of that is is the first step to kind of stopping it really so I suppose there is that element in there as well thank you for talking about the bigger topics but the other thing that's really important to talk about is the beer itself so why don't we talk through some of the beers Um, and one of the first things you said to me Interestingly, when we're in the car on the way here, is that you don't you don't like Kendall mint cake, even though you're a boy from Kendall. <laughs> well, I, again, I, I think I just say that because I, I bristle at every time anyone Kendall gets mentioned. The first thing people say people say is mint cake, and also I used to work. For, you know, when I left school, I worked for my dad for a few months, and it didn't go very well, which is why it was only a few months. But we used to work opposite a mint cake factory, and when they were brewing on their, do they call it brewing when you make a mint cake? I'm not sure when they were making the mint cake batches anyway. The air was thick with glucose and mint, and it was just or- horrible on a sunny day, on the rare sunny day that you get in Kendall. It was horrible. And um, so I kind of like, I, I guess I built up a resentment for mint cake, despite, I mean, there's not much to dislike, is it sugar and mint? Yeah. In, in, in small quantities, it's delicious, right? I, I love it, and I think it's a nostalgia thing that, that my grandmother on my dad's side who passed away several years ago well, I loved her dearly but she would come to the Lake District often and always bring me back uh, mint cake and like do you remember, is, do you remember which uh, brand it was? I don't no, I, I don't have an attachment is there any brand you would recommend well, specifically? well interestingly I, I'm actually the one in the brewery that's I'm a Quiggins man myself they're a traditional um, one but I, I know the other guys would be would, would back for the Romney's team okay 
there's a bit so there's a bit of beef on I don't on, think anyone I don't think anyone chooses Wilson's oh okay <laughs> but hey that's let's, a different story altogether. let's not get into that but um the reason why I brought the mint cake is not just because we're here in in Kendall but you brew a a Kendall mint cake chocolate stout yeah. for cask which I'll be honest with you now it's I've tried about three or four beers today and that's my favorite yeah, like mint stout um, I've had a few before um, how does that go down with with the people that come to your tap room it's it's a bit of a kind of like it, the idea of mint in beer is a new thing to a lot of people to most people really the idea of mint in beer is quite off-putting um, but when when done on a on a you know a full chocolatey malty base with subtle amounts it's a delicious thing I think Um I, I agree. It, I have, I've had a the last time I had a mint stout was there was a brewery in Colorado called Scar Brewing and they they used to do a really yeah. delicious mint stout. But yeah, like it's it's not something you see much. I've I've seen it once or twice in UK breweries. And to be honest with you, like we we came up with the kind of mint cake stout. That was like one of the early kind of beers that we thought we wanted to do. And ever since we came up with the idea and started trying it at home, we were just like looking at all the other local breweries, being like, please don't anyone else do this because <laughs> we want to be the first people to uh, to get to get it in. But Fantastic. And the rest of your beers, you've got a seven grain porter. Yep. Um, it's pretty, so it's about seven percentage. Yeah, it's seven percent, seven grains. We uh, like to keep things nice and simple here. And you've, but your your pale beers, are, I would describe them as very modern and hazy. What's what's inspiring you? What beers are you drinking and going, we want to bring that kind of flavour into our brewery? I mean, look, we're massively inspired by your kind of verdant stairs, tracks of the world, that kind of, you know, we absolutely love what these other breweries doing into uh, uh, what, what they're doing to beer in the UK and actually just kind of bring it back to music in a second in a sense it's like you know when you well you know this because you, like you said before you've been a band it's like you know you listen to your favourite artists on record and you think to yourself I could do that can't I you know there's no reason why I couldn't pick up a guitar and play that riff and then learn to like write one myself like that and I guess looking at breweries like that in the UK and there's, there's too many to name there's so many of them that are doing amazing things and we're just like we just want to we just want part of that really you know mm-hmm. how do you think you i mean it's early days when did you start brewing here when we started it's less than a year ago here yeah um i guess i think our first batch came out in april may last year so how do you think you'll make that your own as a small brewery how how will you because you, you know again coming back to the music thing standing out and finding that sort of individual element that makes you shine yeah. How do you bring that into what you're doing at Ganyam? Well, that's a good question. And how, do you, how do you avoid becoming a covers band? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good question. Well, by doing things like the Kendall Mint Cake Stout, I suppose. that You know, having a look... It's, it's taking that, that little twist on something. And, you know, what, what can we get from the local area and somehow put it into our beer, even if not in, like, a literal way, obviously? What, 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 can we, what twist can we put on something that makes it ours? And, you know, we're learning to do that. And, and also... And, this is again a, just a great thing in general is happy accidents you know when, when something goes wrong slightly it's like but fuck it that mistake was actually better than what we were going for so like let's try and make that mistake every time you're pretty small at the moment as well like what you're like, like about a five barrel capacity yeah yep. um, so do you, do you see is, is there ambition beyond that are you are you content with what you are now but or do you think uh, gradually growing well, is that is that the plan well, well I think the plan has to be to gradually grow because 
there's seven of us and eventually we probably all want to work <laughs> for the brewery so I think seven people around a five barrel kit will be pretty tragic but um, yeah you know we, we didn't start this brewery with any big investment we literally cobbled together what we had ourselves and got a, f- a bit of money from our family as well and we're lucky enough to get a second hand everything from various different breweries I should particularly shout out Fell Brewery who are a local one that helped us out a lot it's their old brewing kit that we bought for buttons but the yeah we definitely want to improve our kit which I think will improve the beer and grow it but we, we de- you know there aren't any grand ambitions to become the biggest brewer in the UK we just want to make really fucking good beer locally and and beyond really um, there, there, but there isn't a particular target of size that we want to get to with there being seven of you, how do you share responsibility? How, like, who's brewing? Who's who's marketing? Like, are you all doing a bit of everything, or with oh. great difficulty sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we we've like learned how to divvy up certain things, and so there's two of the lads are full time on site. So Chris and Johnny, uh, between them, basically, loosely, one of them's Johnny's mainly in the on the brewing side, and Chris is mainly on the kind of sales and business side although there is overlap because they're here every day um, and then between us we just try and do what we can on like so like someone will be particularly looking into the supply chain someone will be looking into marketing branding social media all those kind of things we kind of divvy up between us and try and help out Chris and Johnny on site as much as we can um, yeah brilliant and but it does get quite confusing sometimes <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Let's let's talk about the cans because one thing that's really striking is the, the can art is is excellent. Who is behind the design on the cans? So that's Doctor Me, which is a design studio based in Manchester, and the me part of that is Mark Edwards. The Doctor part is Ryan Doyle, but the Mark Edwards part was basically my next door neighbour growing up at school and. To be honest with you, if he'd, you know, he's a great friend of all of ours. If he'd been in London when we came up with the brewery, I'm sure he'd be part of it. But it just so happened he wasn't around when we all got drunk. <laughs> so he's not, but he, but he's integral to like what we do. His, you know, we're all massive fans of the work he does through, whether it's like his prints for exhibitions and stuff or his kind of more commercial work. He's always got this like e- excellent eye and his collages are beautiful and striking and quite risky in some some ways and that's like kind of but also quite DIY and like he's got that talent that not many people have of making something look like you could do it yourself because it looks so effortless but when you actually try and do it like I've had a little bash at doing it it's actually a hell of a lot harder (laughs) than it looks Um, so yeah you know as soon as we kind of like knew that we we're going to take this seriously enough to get a logo and start designing beer badges and stuff. We were like, it, it, there wasn't really anyone else we were going to speak to about that. Well, the cans are striking. And another thing about them that, that sets them apart for me, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is there's a little poem on the side of, of every cans. Where does that come from? Who, that, that comes from the, the, the creative mind of Jonathan Rigg, um, one of the seven lads who's not here today, actually. Um, but... Yeah, and he's a very, very good writer, 
and they're slightly oblique and you know just the right just just the right little nudging in the direction it's definitely like if you pick up the can you don't you know you don't expect to to see a nice little poem on the side but it definitely you know it's definitely uh, sets it in talk you know i asked you about making something your own earlier it definitely seems seems like something that is uh of ganyam yeah well that's it and it's like you know i don't think any of us particularly mind being divisive like it's sort of like I mean, if someone takes umbrage to that, then what the hell anyway? It's just a few words on the side of a can. But if you don't particularly like it or think we're being wanky or something, then that's fine because we're just having fun. And you know what? Drink something else or just don't read it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, we, you know, a, a big thing in this brewery is, like, we do it together because we... At, at first, it was like we just enjoyed hanging out together. And, like, we hope to retain, I think, through the brewery, an element of the fun that we have together is it's a bit weird like seven best mates that all went to the same class at school still kind of like hanging out with each other and like let alone starting a company together um, so we just want to retain that bit of fun and freedom um, for you know if, if Rig wants to write a poem then hell yeah we'll stick it on the side of a can great brilliant so talk me through what your plans for 2022 look like so you've, you've got beer and cast and keg you've got these lovely cans yeah um, and you know you're not you've not got a huge brewery not so obviously all. splitting that between um draft and can is is, is a challenge yeah. but what what do your plans for this year look like so, so our plans for this year are really to um kind of grow the range of beers that we've got and we, we started introducing cask at the back end of last year and that's just flown out in the local market and we were always passionate about cask beer we feel like it's been something that's a bit overlooked um, nationally but it's I feel coming back into fashion a little bit and so we're going to be developing our cask range quite heavily over the next few months we're going to get our first really like a single hot dark mild which it Everyone's brewing mild at the moment I don't want I, I don't want oh, to shit, <laughs> no it's, a, it's like mild is about to have there needs to be lots of miles. I had a pint of mild yesterday in a pub by a fire yeah. and it just it gave me this enorm- just enormous sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. And it had like 200 likes on the tweet and it was just a picture of a pint and a fire and it's like, and everyone's like, yes, that is the experience, I, that comfort. Yeah. So, um, and also malt's coming back into fashion, which, yeah. I, which I'm very and, and, excited about. And that's about. a really, a really interesting thing to explore as well. So, so we're going to do that. Well, I, I, I kind of twist on that one is just because when I was, um, when Tim was, brewing down the bottom of the Cock Tavern about seven or eight years ago he brewed a single hopped mild and I just I've never seen one anywhere else since really or at least to that quality so it's always been in the back of my head like I'm going to replicate that beer at some point so. are we talking Tim O'Rourke yeah head, head, well, he was the head brewer at Howling just Hops just Flock now isn't he he yeah. has yes yeah. indeed but so, so, so yeah the cast range so there's that we're going to do our first proper bitter as well which we're really excited about it'll be kind of like a juicy bitter you know I, th- I think with all our stuff it's like we're gonna they'll be embracing traditional styles but just putting you know putting a our own kind of slant on it because around here you can just get if you want a banging bitter you'll get one that they're already kind of there so we're just going to offer something slightly different that will still satisfy a, a bitter drinker but might just have 
a little a way in for other people possibly and more cans do you think that'll be yeah, yeah there'll be the more plan? cans and we'll do you know we did um, sort of I guess quote unquote collaborations with a couple of record releases on cans last year with Squid and Hayden Thorpe's album so I'm sure we'll do a couple more albums this year hopefully they'll go really well um, and definitely more cans we're kind of we're kind of working out what last year was like working out what sounds better in cans and what doesn't so I think you'll see more of our kind of like New England IPAs and double IPAs in cans and then keg will be more of the kind of pale ale IPA offering and then cask will be a bit more traditional you know it's, uh, but there will be rules are there to be broken aren't they so absolutely and last question for you Will quick pitch why should someone who loves beer come to Kendall why should well, they come to Kendall yeah. well because because it's a fucking good beer town you know there's it, it, like I said earlier on in the last like um, six or seven years so many good little places have started popping up and and in the surrounding area of Kendall so you can come to Kendall as your base go to Indie Craft Fell Bar New Union um, Factory Tap here Lakes Bruco there's, there's plenty of places to slake your thirst and then explore the Lake District it's a great place to explore the Lake District from because it's not as touristy as your kind of Windermere's bonus and stuff like that and you can find like in the, in the Wind, Winder Valley there's like Winster Valley there's um, some great pubs as well and great food um, yeah there's a lot going on it's a great place to be yeah, I'm excited to explore a few pubs uh, this afternoon. Well, I'll hopefully take you to a couple later on, yeah. Excellent. And when um, when's the tap room going to be open this year? So, the tap room at the moment is open the first weekend of every month, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to open a bit more permanently. But for now, that's it. Fantastic. Well, Will, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Pleasure to have you at the brewery. Good luck with getting Ganyam rolling. It's early days. Um, it's uh, you know, I just want to say that like walking into this brewery reminds me of some of the experiences I had, um, you know, ten years ago when I first started writing about beer and there's all these you know the Colonel Partisan. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's nice to see that even because a lot of people tell me that there's no opportunities out there for new beers for new breweries sorry and to see they might well be right <laughs> <laughs> well no I'm joking well do you know what I hope you prove them wrong yeah. it sounds like you've got a really exciting thing happening here and, and I wish you every success with it thank you very much welcome back I hope you enjoyed that interview with Will and thank you to Will and the folks at Ganyam for having me. Sorry it took so long to publish that interview, but I hope it was worth the wait. Now, before we talk about confidence and optimism about beer, which I think is as important, if not more so than dealing with our paranoia, I want to talk briefly about how we fund Pellicle and how I'd love for you to help us keep going. It's tough out there at the moment, for breweries, for pubs, for bars, and for little independent magazines like ours. For some reason, we decided earlier this year to increase the amount we pay our contributors who write and photograph and illustrate for our website, pellicalmag.com. We feel that's where we should be putting our money, 
that great content, great writing deserves a fair fee. And what we need to do to sustain that is to convince enough people that it's worth paying for. The majority of our funding for our magazine comes from Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Mag, where people like you can give as little as a pound a month or more if you can afford it. And that goes directly towards paying our contributors. At the moment, since we increased our rates, we're not quite back at our break even level. And our goal at present is to get back to that break even target. And once we're there and we have some stability, we can begin planning to try and do some newer and exciting stuff and commission more articles. If you feel you can afford to support us for the price of a pint of beer or a glass of wine a month, then do go to patreon.com forward slash mag and sign up. And I'd like to say if you have any questions about it, then just drop me an email to matthew at pellicalmag.com. I'm always happy to chat about it because I want to keep this mag going for as long as possible. And I hope you do too. As an aside, I'd really like to thank our sponsor Hand and Heart for supporting the last six episodes of this podcast and to Hotburns and Black, who've just signed on for another six months, which will take their website sponsorship up to four years. That's incredible. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And I think that's a good way to head into confidence because, well, as I said earlier, confidence isn't the right word, although I think you need a bit of confidence in order to feel optimistic. As much as the cost of everything is spiraling, COVID is still lurking, we need to think about the positives. Earlier, I talked about the third space, the idea that there is this place that exists outside of home and work and when we spend time there either alone or with friends doing something significant or something not important at all it gives us this sense of well-being that's what pubs are for for me one of the things that makes pubs great is amazing beer and we have some of the best breweries in the world in the uk we make some of the best beer we have the most fascinating beer history. We serve real ale, cask beer, whatever you want to call it. We do that better than anyone else because we cherish it. That is what makes British beer so special. We are not suddenly about to lose all of our breweries. A lot of the breweries I speak to are struggling, but they are keeping on. They are still going into work every morning. They are still ordering ingredients. They are still selling beer to pubs to bars, to bottle shops, and people are still going to drink it. And this is, I guess, what I mean about confidence. I don't think that's going to go away. I worry about the choice we have at the bar being limited because having a great choice of great quality things to drink and enjoy is really important. It's stimulating. But I don't think that choice is going away. I still see new breweries like Shawshot and Balance, two breweries that have opened here in Manchester in the last year and are making incredible beers. I just don't see that spark that made people get into beer in the first place disappearing. I feel you definitely have to work a bit harder to get excited about it. Craft beer is over. The last 10 years we've seen this rise, this excitement, that's gone now. But what we're left with is this 
huge range of fascinating and interesting breweries making delicious beer. While not all of them will survive this winter, most of them will. But it's down to us, really. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you really love beer, just like me. And I think it's important we keep reminding ourselves that we drink delicious beer because it gives us a feeling of contentment, of joyfulness, of happiness. And so do visits to pubs and wherever that sells good beer. That's really important. You know, there's a story that I read recently about Kellam Island Brewery at the Fat Cat Pub in Sheffield. I wrote about their beer, Pale Rider, in my book, Modern British Beer. It's one of the most important beers to have ever appeared in the UK. Thornbridge Brewery came out of Kellam Island Brewery. One would not exist without the other. But a few months ago, Kellam Island Brewery announced its closure and it was devastating. This is a legacy brewery, a brewery that inspired many, not just Thornbridge, to make their own start in the brewing world. And in a really sort of serendipitous way, Thornbridge came to save the day. Now they've done quite well for themselves and they have saved Kellam Island from extinction. They've bought it and they've restored it. They've even rolled back to the vintage branding, which actually looks better than the new branding they've been pushing for the last couple of years. But this Sheffield institution has been saved. And when I saw that happen, that gave me hope. That made me think that there's still some good in this brewing world. And even though things are tough, people are going to do stuff that might not be the most rational decision. Because I'm sure if you went through their accounts and looked at the books, it's like, oh, this is going to take one hell of a lot of work to keep this ship afloat. But that feels worthwhile because it's a worthwhile brewery making beer that makes people happy. And I see that and I think, hell yeah, beer's still got a fighting chance amid all of this doom and gloom. One thing I'm not going to do, though, is take my helmet off. We still need to breathe. Everyone puts their trousers on one leg at a time. Something I say to myself in my head a lot at the moment. Just slow down, take each day at a time. That's all you can do. And on those days, if you have time to nip into a pub or a bottle shop and grab a beer, then it's worth doing because it might just bring a smile to your face. That feels like a nice place to wrap this episode up. I hope you enjoyed this. I'm glad to be back hosting this podcast again. And I hope you tune in next time when I've got a really bumper interview with the folks at Glasshouse Beers in Birmingham. So keep a lookout for that. Until the next time, I've been Matthew Curtis and you've been listening to the Pellicle Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>